Hi guys, welcome to the Sunday slot. It's 10.30, it's a beautiful day outside. But first of all, we're going to talk about Toby's Magical Journey. This is a wonderful charity. It was set up in the brainchild of Toby the Ridge, his mother Alison and his father Richie. And they wanted to do something and put back into the community for younger people and young adults that have symptoms and signs of cancer and a support mechanism for them and only for them. So I'm going to bring on Alison and Toby to talk about their journey. Hi guys, how are you? Fine, morning. Good morning. Um, so let's talk about Toby's magical journey. I, it's quite emotive for me, um, purely for the fact that I have been involved to some degree over the years and seen the charity evolve over the years as well. But can I take you back to the very beginning? I mean, you know, Alison, Toby, I mean, you know, this before your diagnosis, I mean, you, you were just an ordinary family, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Working, Toby at school at uh, St Columbus. Um, prior to his diagnosis, he wasn't very well. He was very grey in colour, his legs were failing, very lethargic. Um, I took him to the GP. Um he didn't have an answer, but he arranged for, he to, for him to have some blood tests done, um, of which he did. And shortly after having those blood tests um, done, and I mean, we're talking a couple of hours, um, the phone call came where Toby was to be taken to the Victoria Hospital. Um, and from there, it was... Um, after they spoke with Edinburgh Sick Kids, Toby was given a transfusion, stayed overnight, um, and then was um, transferred to Edinburgh Sick Kids. Uh, Richie, um, who was taking Toby to the hospital, because uh, I was actually in, um, with my parents at the time, because uh, it was my father's um, 80th birthday celebrations. And Richie said, well, he was being looked after at the hospital. He'd come home, grab some more clothes, drop the car off, know what Edinburgh's like, parking, and take Toby on the train, of which he was told no, he was to come by car. Um, he was admitted in on the 11th of December um, into the haematology and oncology ward, or mm -hmm. two, sick kids. Still unaware, even the consultants said he wasn't presenting any cancerous signs and um, it was planned that um, the following day he was going to have to go to theatre to have a bone marrow um, aspirate done to check his bone marrow to see what was going on. He had to have um, blood transfusion prior to theatre to get him through theatre um, and then on the 12th uh, we found out the news that he'd got um, leukemia. Did this all happen quite quickly then? You know, because yes. you, you hear you hear stories of people like it's, it takes ages for a diagnosis to happen. It does. We were very very lucky. We had you know Finley McDonald, um, Toby's GP, was superb. You know, um, he acted exceptionally quick, um, and, and and on the back end of that, and and the journey straight through from Victoria. Two sick kids was um, was amazing, mm -hmm. and then obviously on the twelfth he was diagnosed, um, which was my dad's eightieth birthday. So when what when this was all going on, Toby, you know, how, how did you feel about this? I mean, what was it like for you? Um, well, to be quite honest, I was oblivious to everything. Um, I had never really had to go into hospital because I was kind of I was just I was your normal kid that was sporting done whatever um and i basically it, it just felt like oh i've got to go to hospital okay mm -hmm. so I, I didn't really have any thoughts on it i mean i got told i was staying overnight so i stayed overnight um it, i didn't really have any like thoughts on it i thought it was just normal mm -hmm. and and so this period of this period of diagnosis then how how long did that take to to happen Alison? less than two weeks really okay so what was the journey after that then so the diagnosis happens and then you know what happens after that i mean you know um what, what well, is the next it, steps it was all rather fast 
um, obviously diagnosed on the 12th. Um, I arrived back on the 13th to see him. He was on um, fluids um, and blood when I arrived. He had a cannula um, and it was all planned that on the uh, 15th he'd be going into theatre to have a portacath fitted, which sits... Oh, right, it, yeah, right, right. It there, did right sit there, there. <laughs> did for many years. Um, an instrument that goes a pocket within the muscle here, goes mm. up to a line into your main artery, and then that feeds all your chemotherapy, bloods, anything really. Mm. So on the 15th, that was fitted, and then shortly after that, chemotherapy um, started yeah. with um, steroids. And, yeah. So is this what this picture is then? He's actually halfway through his intense treatment there. He's on um, Dr. Rubicin, which is yeah. my eyebrow. And, and what is happening here, though? Um, well, basically, so I've got um, the line with the Dr. Rubicin in, um, going underneath my T-shirt into my portacast, feeding into my body. Um, it, it, it's basically a chemo, so... I mean, it was one of nine that he had. He had nine different chemotherapy treatments in total. Yeah. Um, some would be injected into his leg. Some would go into his spine. Some would go tablet, and the other rest would all be fed through his port. Mm -hmm. And and I and I take it this was this never. I mean, I've got a picture here of you. You know, just sitting, um, almost like you know, um, it's it's obviously quite difficult for you there. Um, sitting, waiting, and waiting. Was that did that? Is that how you felt most of the time, or or did it happen quickly, or, um, or was it always waiting? Or well, that was back in the Victoria Hospital where, yeah. uh, before I was diagnosed. Because I think it was, um, it, it was the night I stayed over before I got transferred the next day. Yeah, uh, my legs were in absolute agony. Um, I was struggling to stand up and walk because mm. I didn't know that I had cancer at the time. And so I just sat down because it was the easiest thing for me to do as I yeah. would just sit down outside of the cloakroom in school because I was in so much pain. So so it's a consistent pain then, you know, so that's uh, that's one of the early signs, um, would it be? You know, so yeah, what is the early sign? That is one of the side effects with leukaemia or that particular type. So it's colouring, bruising, um, yellow in the eye and also um, legs. Yeah. Okay. And then chemo, I mean, you know, what uh, for you, what was chemo like? Um, like taking cowpox, to be quite honest. <laughs> right, okay. Because <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people describe it as, was it because there was maybe painkillers or something? Or, because no. a lot of people describe it as being cold for some reason. I don't um, you know. Well, there are some that I have had where, where it did feel cold inside of me. Um, obviously there were some that I really didn't want to take because it was just a nightmare uh, to have, um, like uh, Irwinase, the massive needle in my life. Oh. That was that was one that I basically refused to take, but I had to anyways. He was um, allergic to um, pegasparginase, pegasparginase, which is a, a chemotherapy that's needled into your leg. Wow. Um, and he took an allergic reaction to that. So instead of the blocks of twelve weeks, of, uh, three three uh, three in every twelve weeks. Yeah, uh, I had the basically I had the predecessor to it, the slow release. So he had to have more. I'd have instead Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'd go in for it, and I think it was nine that would build up to the, to that one block of twelve. Yeah. Was he a difficult patient at any point in time? Never. Oh, good. Well done. No, no, he... I had my spats. I will admit. <laughs> That's, no, this is what we're getting to, Toby. <laughs> it's, it was... It, with the whole intense chemotherapy for leukaemia, it's basically eight months, and it's split into 10-week blocks. So when you got your sheet, your life revolved around these 10 weeks um, and you look, you kind of looked at the treatments to go, oh, this is not bad, or oh, this is going to be hell. Um, because some of the chemotherapies 
were kinder than others. Some raised false raised temperatures, which mm-hmm. meant you had to stay in hospital. Um, some made you exceptionally sick. Um, and one in particular where I can remember his nurse coming home and the time she arrived, all you heard him say was 10, 11, 12. And by that point, she'd go, you're coming in. And, you know, so he was like, hmm, okay. Um, I was quite lucky <laughs> when it came to being admitted. I think I was I think I was in for just under a month. Yeah. He was, he was a fantastic patient. We we're so proud of him. And compared to other children who had the same cancer as him, he... Yeah didn't spend much time as an inpatient mm-hmm. so um he he was he was textbook we were very very lucky so how did this affect family life though you know in terms of you know in terms of i mean because normal routine just goes out the window straight away doesn't it oh gosh yeah definitely definitely we were split um he spent the first 14 days um in sick kids he came out on christmas eve uh, which majority of the time Richie spent with him and I would just travel backwards and forwards daily because also there were still two children at home. Yeah. There was still dirty washing from the hospital to take home for Richie and for Toby. So I was travelling backwards and forwards daily, um, going out early in the morning, coming back at, say, 9, 10 o'clock at night time, getting everything done, barely having any sleep and then going back again the following day to spend as much time as I could with with him. The older two were fantastic. Yeah. They, they really, really were. Um and and that's what happened initially. And then after Christmas, um things started to settle down a wee bit. Um but we there we were still split um for a, for a long time. It must have been exhausting. It must have been. You run on adrenaline. Yeah, effectively, that's what it is. It's keeping you going. But when you stop, when you get to, um, when we got to August, the 18th of August was his last dose of intense chemo um, in 2015. And after that, you're, you're out of the ward and into clinic. And you're not going to be at that ward three, four, five times a week. You're yeah. maybe going to be there once, once, once every once every twelve, 12 weeks. weeks. When he had to go into when he had to go into theatre to have chemo in his spine, mm-hmm. and you're then at home looking around, going, "What do I do?" You just kind of feel lost because you've been basically the way I describe it is that you've been knocked down and then brought up in this kind of hospital environment family. And mm-hmm. then, and it feels kind of like when you finished your, um, when you finished your intense, it it's like you're not. I wouldn't say kicked out, but like you're, at, like you just leave it and you have to go somewhere else. It's reinventing the wheel. Yeah, I mean, what advice would you give anybody out there, Toby, that you know uh, maybe has been maybe shows some symptoms like that? You know, what advice would you give them? And, and they maybe don't know, they maybe just feel they've got these symptoms, but they, they actually think it's just one of these things. Well, the easiest thing to do would be to go to your GP or hospital. Yeah. Because sometimes it's easier to catch it earlier, and, uh, or it's easier to catch it now better than never, because mm-hmm. you don't know what happens. Um, I was quite lucky to get, uh, to get it caught quite early on. Um, because uh, previously we thought I was just anemic, mm. um, and that I was just growing pains. But see, this this is exactly what I thought. It's like you know, people will will say that as well. It's just it's growing pains. You know, that's a classic thing. Because I used to have it all the time in my legs, <laughs> um, every single time. It was so frustrating. Um, I couldn't sit still sometimes because of it. But but it's easy to misinterpret that, isn't it? If even if you feel, you know, your child. You know, every parent will know their child better than any GP. And if you know that something's not right, you mm-hmm. keep pushing. You know, we hear it so many times on the ward where they've not been as lucky as what we have. Yeah. That 
you know, um, they've had to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and it's dreadful. And mm -hmm. it really, really is dreadful. You know, we have this now and they're in the drop-in and they're free. Mm -hmm. And basically, so what is that? It's a fantastic little pamphlet. pamphlet. It's a wallet. And on it, it's got all the signs, all the signs to look out for. Yeah. Well, it's got all the different sorts of childhood cancers on there. Mm -hmm. And it's got all the information and it's sponsored by the Mary Leishman Foundation and all the information's from Macmillan. So oh, Jim's wife's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, and they're all in there and we have lots of them to give away for any family, just so they've got them in their, in their bag or wallet. What about for people that can't get in um, at the time? Is it is it possible? Is there some information on your on your website, or is there you know because yes. your website's on this post anyway, and yes. your Facebook page yes. on this post, so there is information there as well, isn't it? Even if they would like one posted out to them, not a problem. It'd just be a case of just sending your details in, and then you could post something out to them. Absolutely, I mean yes. that's a great idea. So, and and all this going on, where did the brainchild about the charity fundraising come from? shortly after being diagnosed we're yeah. still trying to get our head around the idea or not yeah. the idea but it all to sink in because i think i know the answer to this oh and then all of a sudden i'm a very ambitious child <laughs> very ambitious 10 year old who thinks that i am basically fine and that there are others worse off than me so i was like you know what we're raising money because i want to and so we started off with uh click sergeant Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think it was £25,000 we raised for them in the space of about a year. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah. We've done a bit for the ward and we've done a bit for uh, CLASP as well. Mm -hmm. Because they help, they all helped me out quite a fair bit. Yeah, we bought all some from fundraising. We uh, replaced all the TV, mobile TV units on the wall to glass ones so they were washable. Um, yep. And we bought some PlayStations and Xboxes, TVs, games, videos. Um, he obviously raised a lot of money to Click Sergeant, who initially helped us. And then shortly after, they closed the Malcolm Sergeant House holiday home um, in Presswick. Um, Toby came into uh, myself and Richie and said, uh, I want to set up my own charity. Yeah. Uh, to see, so I know that all the money that's raised, I can see where it's actually going. Yeah. Uh, we were like, we were dumbstruck, <laughs> and we went, okay. He's so, going to be a politician. Well, maybe not, because he's maybe he's maybe too truthful. <laughs> he's, he's maybe too truthful. He's maybe not going to be a politician. He's maybe going to be a good lobbyist. I would say. I think so. I think so. So back in 2016, um, mm. we went and saw a really great friend of ours, Helen. Um, at Vonef, um, and she helped us sort out all the paperwork. Um, a board of directors was put together, and um, Toby's magical journey was launched yeah. uh, in December 2016. Wow! I mean, it's amazing when they think about it and the journey and, and stuff that you've been doing. I mean, the one the one that I I first got introduced to was obviously Santa's Grotto. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where we had Santa's Grotto in the office. <laughs> you did, you did. It was fantastic. Yeah, and, and uh, it was uh, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And and that's obviously across the road in your your yes. location now from us. Yep. Um, so wonderful place. And then COVID brought yes. COVID in, so you had to do it outside. We did. And so that's under the tent. And uh, oh, that was a wee promotion <laughs> when I when I met Santa. One you, of the, you know, I'll chalk it up to one of these best experiences in your life ever when Santa comes to see you. <laughs> Not that it's when Santa's walking across the road and stopping yeah. traffic. Stopping traffic, and it's uh, to come and see you across at the office. And then Santa appeared in his DeLorean. He did one, one, one year, and yeah. uh, oh, there's Andrea. Andrea yeah. <laughs> well. And and that was primarily, you know, the, the Santa's Grotto appeared, and you started to go in with that as well. And and what other things have you done for for charity? You know, what fundraising things have you done? You know, we'll talk about we'll talk about what your your latest one is at the end. But other in the journey that you've taken for charity, what other things that you've got, have you got involved in? Well, we've we've done so many. That's we've got 
well, when we were two thousand back in two thousand and sixteen and seventeen, he was still on treatment, and we were still um, not even roll, coasting along, yeah. fundraising as we were going. Um, we were providing items um, for families, even then. And obviously, we were approached by the hospital um, to take over the treasure boxes that go into A&E, yep. the ward, daycare and clinic. So we were we were heavily into providing these. Um, Toby was recognised, obviously, there. Um, now, this is, uh, this is the Kingdom Kids, isn't it? Um, yeah. And also the local Hero Awards um, as well. But there's, uh, you know, I, I do have, um, I do have, I'll just have a wee looky. And, and the treasure boxes as well. So what is the treasure boxes? What, what have they got in them? Basically, so the treasure boxes, we um, we put them into a clinic, we put them into a &E, and we put them into the ward. Um, and what I, what I thought about, well, what I thought about was you go through a procedure big or small a little like like some blood being taken or yeah. coming out of theater and i think that it's nice for when you have done that when you have done that because you may not like it you may not like like having it done i knew i didn't i didn't like having needles um shot mm -hmm. into my legs constantly um and so i thought well if you're rewarded for it, it'll kind of take your mind off of it, so you know you have something to look forward to afterwards. Good point. Excellent. And so they would just go into the box, they'd pick what, like one or two things, big or small, whatever they wanted. And there's mm -hmm. a range of like uh, for young, like young kids to older kids, um, and obviously like uh, toys for girls and boys and everyone. So you can find in there anything from a. Um, a Bakugan toy to a, a book. A book. Um, well, I, I noticed in them as well they had things like cranes as well. You know, we had a picture up there the now. Um, there's art equipment. You've got um, for the older ones. You'd find um, nail varnishes, deodorant yep. sets, um, lip cell, headphones. Mm. Then you go to the smaller age um, and the younger ones to baby toys. Um, Figurines. It's yep. it's everything socks slippers, um, yeah. I find that a variety like, of everything. It's a fair, it's a fair big box, eh? And uh, and somebody's got to do the shopping. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's only the first trolley. There was another one as well. There was another yeah. trolley behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this is this does take a fair bit of time, though, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it's uh, um, getting involved in this and having to do it and everything like that. So it does take a fair bit of time. And and you were recognised as a result of that, weren't you, at the Kingdom FM Awards? Was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was uh, Kingdom FM Local Hero Award. I think it was 2017. 2017. 2017. Yeah. Uh, we had no idea about it. I was mm. just invited to go along. So I went along mm. in my uh, tuxedo and then I got announced as uh, as as the... Um, I got the Kingdom FM uh, charity Kingdom fundraiser of the year. No, uh, he was that... child of achievement. So ah. to a fundraising. Brilliant. Okay. And then I think it was two uh, uh, two years later. I was runner up for uh, fundraiser of the year. As well. Right. Okay. And yeah. So we've got the Kingdom Kids emblem and the. This is Dave and Vanessa, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is now because Dave and Vanessa had been. Um, a massive part of Toby's journey. Um, this was actually God. It, it was it was a bit of fun. Um, I got invited on to uh, the breakfast, breakfast show um, on the twenty fifth of April, twenty eighteen, which is when that photo was taken. Um, and I had um, I had just finished my treatment. I took my last dose the night before. And I, be, I basically announced to the whole of life that I've finished my treatment and I managed to skip a little bit of school. <laughs> wow. So when you finish treatment, you ring a bell, uh, yep. enter treatment bell. So he wanted to go in and ring the dinger finger mm -hmm. in the studio. What he didn't realise was that um, Dave and Vanessa had a bell. Um, so he rang his own personal bell with engraving on uh, for his end of treatment. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So that was that was 2018 then, was it? Yes, yes April. 
Mm-hmm. So from there then, so yes. where, 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 where our journey continues on about the inspiration. So, you know, would it not just be the case your, your journey's over and all the rest of it? So that's the end of it. Or or what, what kept you going then? What keeps you going now? Well, my, yes, my treatment has finished. I am I'm still linked to the hospital because I, I get a checkup every three months, soon to be every four months or six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will always still be a part of the hospital up until I'm 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will still have links to them. But every other, I think that either 10 or 11 children are diagnosed with um, cancer every single day and one of them won't make it. And so I want to keep helping kids because if if I, I feel like if I'm gone, there will be something missing from everything happening. And so I'm wanting to constantly help out as much as I can, as much as I can in my ability yeah. to at least make these kids' lives um, but you've, you've hit like, the nail on the head there, though, Toby. Um, as much as you can with your ability, because the reality is, you're still, you know, ultimately you're still recovering. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. well, you've still got school, you've still got everyday life, and then you do this as well. Do you have time for anything else? <laughs> um, I mean, I think so. <laughs> Night times. <laughs> but no, he does. He does very, very well. He does, mm-hmm. but he just—he was asked actually shortly after treatment finished, "Is this it? Is this the end of Toby's magical journey?" Well, no, yeah. his journey still carries on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only now coming up for three years in remission, um, and it'll be five years with the charity being alive. Yeah, the journey's his journey's still carrying on, as and likewise helping others on their journey. Um, so. If we can do something to help every child that goes through the ward in some way, shape, or form, then that's what we'll do. Yeah, yeah. Heard a couple of comments. Uh, Anne Marie said, Good morning. Uh, Dad Richie's watching. So proud of you, Toby, he says. Um, you've got Linda Whiteford as well. She said, Earth Angels. You know, Hi, thanks Linda. very much for that, Linda. So you, you know Linda then, I take it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the inspiration from there then came from that, and then obviously, um, what came next? I mean, how how did how did the how did the transition come from your house to the base? You know, we where, did, where did that come from? We the, are, we outgrew the log cabin. The the charity became too big because basically we had a little office in the back garden, and that was basically where the charity was being run from two desktop computers and shelving above the computers. Oh, wow. Was that the wee office I saw? Yeah. <laughs> that was how it was being run. And Jeez. There, there, was no, there, was, there wasn't enough room for um, everything to be done. And I asked if I could have my own place in town. So I'm solidified and I know yeah. that this is mine. So what happened was with... Um, initial funding from the Nationwide Building Society uh, in Cooper. Uh, They set up the funding through um, their channels to fundraise for a building for us, which is where we are today. Um, And then after that, we secured national lottery funding for the building. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't have any worries um, with regards to this at all. Fantastic. I mean, mo- most people, um, for anybody that doesn't know Cooper that well, um, if you do know the co-op when you come in, it's literally across the road from the main co-op uh, superstore. Um, that's probably the easiest way, I would say. Um, or it could be across the road from our, our premises at Five Property. <laughs> I had to get that in. <laughs> and you can park at the front of Five Properties if you want, or round the back at our car parking if you're struggling for space. But the, probably the co-op has lots of parking anyway um, to get parked. And, and you can get outside the front of your premises as well, can't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. and also we've got our own car park up the side, so mm-hmm. through the gate. So, um, we're so what does 126 Bonnie Gate do? You know, what what does okay. what do you do here? What 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 happens? What goes on? <laughs> um, pre-COVID. Before, pre-COVID. 
because <laughs> obviously everything's changed. Pre-COVID, we do an awful lot. Yeah. Um, we have a crafters corner at the front where mm -hmm. we have lo local crafters who make items and they're sold here, of yep. which um, percentage of that comes to the charity. So we're promoting local and they're, they're, they're supporting us. Mm -hmm. We then go into the middle zone of where there's a quiet room, um, which at the moment is holding toys, and at Christmas transforms into the grotto. Yep. And then through in the back is the activity room. Where, Could I, does Santa yep. have to write to you in advance to book the grotto every year? does he sends us a letter yeah because i was a way to say it. it's like because he would have to book it in advance wouldn't he? and he'd have to request well, he that or he does normally about summertime right okay so uh, you should be, in the next couple of months you'll be getting a letter from santa saying yeah. is there any chance i can get the grotto for a certain period of time exactly and then we go back into the back room into the activity room um, and in there you've got um the surround sound uh, cinema system for films and we have activities in there. We can do craft mornings, we have bingo nights, fundraising. We do um, stuff with the local children as well. And then also it's there for use uh, for any child that would like to come um, that's obviously on treatment. And they can park around the back. They can come through the back door um, so they're not seen if they don't want to be. And they can just do whatever they want to do. Yeah, it's quite a deceptive premises because you just see the shop front and then you walk in, it's like a TARDIS, effectively. It a bit. I know, it is a bit. It was, um, when, we, when we were looking at it, I was like, it does look quite small. And then, you, small. then when you actually walk in, it just opens up and there's just so much yeah. that you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. So at the moment, obviously, with lockdown, we're working behind closed doors because um, cancer doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. Um so um, well that's the reality we had spoken about this and i had spoken about yeah. with me being a make-a-wish volunteer for about i think it's 15 years now <laughs> um yeah. and we, we're not able to do wish visits because i usually i usually visit the house i usually yeah. visit the people but yeah. we're not able to do that because of covid and and it's even quite difficult to get to get even on zoom with people and uh, and arrange that so so all this is actually almost ground to a halt in terms of yes. helping other people. So um, it's it's a, it's something that a lot of people aren't aware of about how you have to now adapt and change and engage with, a, with, with your audience on different levels and different platforms. Believe it or not, last year we helped more families than what we've ever done. Yeah. Uh, we changed the dynamics of what we would normally do. So for those that were stuck at home, we sent out activity boxes, whether it be for just regular or whether it's themed. Um, we sent out family vouchers for supermarkets. Uh, we sent out for the older children, the Xbox, PlayStation one, so they could purchase games or whatever. Yeah. You know, we've done shopping for people, um, you know, a, that's been local to us. You know, yes, we still had to go and um, get toys. Mm -hmm. um, we were seen at Sick Kids a few times last year whether we were dropping off art equipment for the ward because they wanted to do activities for the inpatients, yeah. whether it be the treasure box toys and also items for palliative care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were seen um, a fair few times. We tried to limit it um, for everybody's safety, but yeah. we were still visible um, delivering items uh, right up until Christmas, because they were short on Christmas presents last year. So we took up many, many deliveries of Christmas presents for the children um, that were impatient too. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big things that sort of suffered to a degree. You know, it is the, it is the, it is the normal channels of how people were able to give and contribute towards, yeah. the, towards their community um, yeah. have actually changed. And, and you've had to adapt quickly, haven't you? Very much so. So it was a it was a complete change of dynamics last year, and it has been so far this year. Yeah. So we'll just see how things how things go. That's all we can do at the moment. I mean, this this can't be anything without your volunteers. Really, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? Correct. We're very very lucky. We have a board of eight trustees. Mm -hmm. um, 
we're you know everybody's volunteers so we there's no staffing costs involved in the charity yeah so we are really really lucky that we have um such a wealth of experience across the board um and also other regular volunteers um also mm -hmm. uh, that's toby obviously volunteer week um as many as we could now, is, is toby just near the camera and the other person's farther away or is that the fact that toby's just quite tall now <laughs> no no <laughs> heather heather was uh, heather's on the um the trust one of the trustees and um we were presenting paula with um a volunteer award um paula's paula's fantastic um she'll be elf on the shelf she'll be in the back running the craft mornings um she'll be seen behind the till um when yeah. it's ladies night she'll when she's on late well, if we do a ladies night she'll be seen there um giving manicures um yeah she's brilliant yes middle child <laughs> yeah and, and you as the as the volunteers that basically push it forward because without people i mean you know joe strummer said it from the clash you know without people you're nothing ultimately right. you're, you're, you're an island on your own and you need yeah. people to support you and help you we've got another comment saying from jackie wright uh, hi how you doing you're doing an amazing job uh -huh. um and that's from jackie um so you know uh, list takes us on to the next one um so You've even been mentioned at Parliament, I think, as well. Yes, we were. Um, we had um, the great pleasure last year to meet Wendy Chamberlain. Um, Wendy came into the drop-in. She wanted to hear more about to from Toby. She wanted to um, have a walk around the building and just to get a feel of what we yeah. do. Um, and she signed herself up to become a volunteer. Oh, wow. So, Superb. yep. So every couple of months, Wendy will come in and um, she'll volunteer. And I got uh, an email back in November uh, last year from um, Westminster office asking me that could I give information over because there was going to be a debate in Parliament over childhood cancer. Um, so on the 1st of December, there was a debate and... Um, Yes, and that was the the news article backing it up. And the headline, I mean, you know, that's it's, it's something else. You must be doing something right uh, if for for someone to actually to to see what you're doing, you know, and recognise what you're doing as well. And it's a combination of all these things that get out to people in the actual in the actual local community and wider afield in order to in order to get your cause seen and heard and help enough people as possible. Because ultimately. Definitely that's why you're there that's why you exist and that's what you need to do so the more people i, I suppose the more people would share these posts that we're doing just now this broadcast yeah. you know, the more the more people will actually see it the more people that comment on this broadcast as well the more of their friends begin to see it as well and the more people that like and share uh, sees it as well because social reach is given by facebook as a result of that so if you can if anybody out there is watching please feel free to share this with other people just so because you never know um, I mean, what is the statistic for for this for cancer in children? Is there is there some sort of statistic? Is it, I mean, Toby had had touched on some numbers, um, and and it could happen to anybody, really, couldn't it? Definitely, it, and it could. And the the general perception of people is that cancer only happens to the the older person. That cancer doesn't exist for a child, um, and it's rare. It's not rare. You know, and it's not rare at all. And it quite clearly says there, 11 children and young people are diagnosed every day. And sadly, three of those children won't make it. Wow. So is it, is it, is it the diagnosis being as quick as possible it would, yeah. would increase these chances? Oh, I would say yes. But also it's the type of cancer. Yeah. You know, and sometimes... Sadly, there's complications. Um, sadly, one child might be diagnosed with one form of cancer mm -hmm. and then they're in remission and then it comes back, but it may not come back 
as that same one there might be a twist um it's it's hard to say um i've we've seen a lot of children die on the ward right especially every single year that can't be um, easy no it's not no it's not you know the first one was a little boy and i remember i was on the ward going into the sluice to drop something off and the horror of seeing him um and it was and he'd actually asked to go to rachel's house and he'd been told he'd got a couple of months mm -hmm. and he died the next week um you know we've seen a lot a lot of boys die we've seen a lot of girls die you know we've been closer to some than others we know a lot of them and it's and it's been heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking you know from day one i never ever thought that toby would die never didn't even cross my head but it wasn't until one day we were upstairs and i was changing your bed we were just chatting away and i said to you can i ask you a question mm -hmm. and he went what and i said did you ever think that you would die and he says i've been waiting for this and i said well how do you feel what was your answer i mean uh, i think it was along the lines of i didn't feel it i was just it was just kind of like it was there i dealt with it if it happened it happened if it didn't it didn't i think with leukemia as well you can't see it it's not visible yeah. it's blood you know it's not like a tumor Mm -hmm. um so it, it is slightly different but um no never never crossed my head for him but sadly we've we have seen um a fair few people go yeah. so i guess that's what spurs you on to keep doing more and more and more yes yeah it's just to make life a wee bit easier for every family and for every child mm. And when you go on the ward and you're delivering the toys on, you know, when you're able to, at the moment, you're not allowed to go to the ward, you can only go to the door. Um, but if, I've, if I'm going in with toys and the children that I'm walking past see the toys and it will be a case of go on, choose something before they go in the box and choose something else, go on, you know, and it's, it's great. It's a lovely feeling to see. Um, that the money that's been raised, whether it be from um, one of the tubs in town, an event that we've done, um, you know, go to do this and then to put the smiles on these kids' faces. Um, it's fantastic. I think that's what, that's what it does come back to, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you, we've seen so many programmes on the television about, you know, cancer wards and children and that. And, and, and I'm almost amazed at the resilience. You know, because as, as adults, we're maybe jaded over the years of, of how to react to something like that. But for children, it's 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 resilience. It's almost set in nature to just bounce back. Every child grows up so fast on that ward because they have to. You know, their, their conversation changes because they're surrounded by nursing staff, consultants, you know, parents. They're... Their circle of friends, because they're now immune suppressed, is now limited, you know, for their own safety. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they're not allowed out of their room. Sometimes they can mix in small groups, you know. So life completely changes and they're resilient. You know, mm. we are the ones that, that take the brunt, obviously. And, you know, they, they take the treatment and... Every single child on that ward is so brave. Yeah. Um, but to them, they have no choice. They have mm -hmm. to do it. And you just try and um, make life as easy as you can for them. You know, they have a lot of people that come in, the clown doctors, for instance. They're, um, they're a fantastic team of people that come in and entertain the children. Um, Steve, so is this the doctors that uh, 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 dress up as clowns then? Clown doctors. Yeah. Yeah, but not they. There are you have to Google them to, to right. look into them, and they're fantastic people. Um, and they do, and they come in and they entertain the children, whether it be through um, a glass window because um, 
they're in isolation or face to face um they're just there to put a smile on a child's face yeah and and yeah. touching on the resilience i mean you know what age are you now toby 15 i had to think about that <laughs> yeah, at 15 years old um i would never have been able to do what you do just now toby I would. I, I was still completely immature. Some people say I still am, by the way. <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I, I mean, it's amazing how how you've how you've at fifteen years old you're able to do this and able to get involved so much and able to able to know what you want to do because at your age I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do because I probably didn't know about about what was out there at that time and and my as i said my my level of maturity probably wasn't that that big it was it wasn't it was never my point of readiness if that makes sense yeah and um, that time but maybe this maybe this is maybe you you're more than likely going to do greater things toby as a result of what you've learned so quickly um in terms of being able to deal and handle in situations um at, at, at such an early age you know that that's probably the 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 what's what's the blatant disguise that's come out of this, I would say. Yeah. It's, um, I certainly didn't expect to be, you know, doing this. Um, however, this is a vision that he had from day one. And um, it's a positive vision um, to help so many others. And um, it's what we're trying to do. And and then then he announces before just when we were sitting backstage that um I've started running, <laughs> so he started running, and and this the, the and I kind of thought that would happen because this is what this is the next stage for you, so the Joseph Etheridge uh, Memorial Walk. So tell me all about this. What is this Memorial Walk? Well, basically, so my granddad dies of acute lymphoblastic leukemia back in two thousand and eleven. And it would have been 10 years since he had gone, and it would have been his 75th birthday um, this coming March. Mm -hmm. Well, because Macmillan have helped me out, um, and they helped him out so much, that I thought it would be nice to give back to them for what they have done for our family. And so I thought, in what I can do at the best of my ability with being in lockdown would be to walk 75 kilometers throughout march okay so what are you trying to achieve out of that what how much what are you trying to fundraise how much are you trying to fund because i've put the link in this post so the link in this gofundme post is 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 in there um so anybody can click onto that and, and contribute towards it so yes. how much are you trying to fundraise we're trying as, well as I've, I've put down 750 pounds okay um to round to do that if we can get more, then absolutely fantastic. And then what we're doing is we're splitting the money down. Uh, 50% comes to um, TMJ and the rest goes to Macmillan. Yeah. Okay. So, and Richie actually makes a valid point there. It normally costs about 500 per month to keep the treasure box going. This is just for the hospitals itself. So mm -hmm. what about I do a wee favour for you? If you raise £750, I'll match it with £750. That would be amazing. That'd be amazing. Okay, so anybody out there that wants to contribute, so every pound that you put in up to £750, then I'll put a pound in as well. Happy Fantastic. to do that. Um, so that means you'll probably end up at £1,500. Um, but let's hope it actually goes beyond that as well. I'd like to think so, because when when Joe died um, of um, ALL, I never dreamed to think that in 2014 that my son would be diagnosed with it too mm -hmm. so and there is no it's not hereditary um it's sadly the luck chance. of it. it's just chance yeah so the, the final thoughts on this so let's um we're coming up to the hour just now so the final thoughts on this about where 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 things are going you're you're going to be doing the 75k um is that all going to be at once or is it is it going to be over a period of time or <laughs> It'll be over the course of March. I could do a little bit uh, one day, but a bit more the next day. Uh, yeah. if, I'm in, if I'm having to go into the school premises, then I'll do it after I've gotten off the bus. Mm -hmm. uh, 
or if I'm doing school at home, then I'll do it after I've finished. Um, because every March consistently for the past few years, I would walk the Tay Road Bridge uh, yeah. because of lockdown. Well, first lockdown, we weren't able to do it last year. And I thought that we could do something different this year um, as we're still able to exercise. And yeah. I think it would be a nice way to be able to honour him and what Macmillan have done for us, um, but also a way to be able to build myself up as I wasn't able to do much exercise-wise while on treatment, and it's kind of like a personal goal for me as well. Good. And this, this, so this is this will help you, and it will help Macmillan, and also help other people as well when uh, you help through the charity. Yeah, he's going to have people walking with him occasionally um, from a distance, whether it's his brother, uh, whether it's some of the other volunteers. Um, but you know, there'll be he'll be plotting it all on Strava, and we'll be posting it up at the end okay. of every day with a picture, um, so people can see what he's getting up to. Um, and we'll see that on the Facebook page then, I take it. Yep. So, and the Facebook page is on this post as well. Yep. And that's So anybody can follow, anybody can like. Um, best follow. If you, if you like a page, it's fine. But you're better to follow a page because if you follow a page, any notifications that come on, you get notified right. about it straight away. So yep. following is more important than liking a page. Or, you know, we're not saying choose one or the other, though. <laughs> we're just saying... Follow is the most important one because obviously that keeps you up to date with any notifications that will happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he's uh, so that's what he's planning to do. So he's in school tomorrow. Um, so as soon as he comes off the bus, he's coming here to get changed, and he's setting off from here um, about half past four. Perfect. And I'll be more than happy if you would like to invite me out at some point in time. To yeah. do a wee live vlog about what's yeah. going on on our Facebook pages um, yeah. and tell people a bit more about what that is. So, okay. guys, um, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, it's a, I've got to say it's a wonderful charity. Um, anybody that's watching out there, again, um, the link's in there for the actual website. The link's in there for the Facebook page that you can follow. The GoFundMe link as well is in there for the 75k uh, kilometers that Toby's actually undertaking for the month of March and to raise funds and we will match it up to 750 pounds a like for like so any pound you put in we will match that pound as well um, yeah. so that's it for now guys uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and um, thanks everybody, everybody else for, for watching um, and bye bye until next week on the Sunday slot um, bye bye from us bye bye bye, bye, -bye.